Welcome to the I Heart My Community podcast, a place where values and actions intersect, where we speak with business and community leaders about creating community that is inclusive and diverse. This is a place where we love each other and where we challenge each other so we can grow together and create change that supports a community where we all love to live. Today we are talking with Tracy Primo and Meg Durkin in King Carden, Ontario, where we all live, where we all live, work, where we're leaders within our businesses, our careers, and our community. So welcome to our first episode. Today, as I mentioned, we're going to be speaking with uh, Meg Durkin and Tracy Primo, and we're going to be talking about why diversity makes good business sense. Uh, Meg has is a recent, uh, relatively recent newcomer to King Carden, moving here in 2017 with her partner to open a microbrewery, which is Grey Matter Beer Company. Uh, and she lives here with her partner, Mike. And um, it, yeah, Meg has been politically active since her teens and currently volunteers in her community with the Women's House, uh, serving Bruce and Grey. Outside of work, she likes to golf and, and uh, play board games and curl up with her dog, Theo. So welcome, Meg. Hi, Jackie. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. And uh, also we have Tracy Primo. Oh my gosh, where do I begin? Tracy has lived in Kincardine for many years. Uh, she works at Bruce Power. In fact, she was the uh, first female licensed off licensed authorized nuclear operator. She was the first shift manager to come from the shift floor. Uh, 30 year career in that industry. Um, active in the community. There's so many committees and boards that uh, Tracy's been a part of, um, including the board chair of the Women's House, an executive member of the Bulldogs Hockey Club. Um, she's on the Municipality of Kincardine Economic Development Committee. Um, and she is a member of the Women in Nuclear in Canada. And this is just uh, just scratching the surface. Uh, and lastly, Tracy's a member of the Nipissing First Nation and has status there. She was a founding member, member of the Ontario Hydro Native Circle in 1992 and has served as the chair of that organization and later on the Bruce Power Native Circle for many years. And in her spare time, I think she volunteers because <laughs> I... <laughs> So welcome, Tracy. Thanks, Jackie. <laughs> so glad you're here. So before I sort of jump in, I want to leave everybody with this quote. And this quote is, is here in, uh, it's in my office. It's been here for many months. And it is just, it's, it's this. Discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. And if I can think about, you know, growing and thinking about diversity, inclusion, and think about the conversations we're going to start having around diversity. Um, I think that's a good place to start. That there may be some things we talk about that start to make people feel uncomfortable as we talk about and look at differently at how we're creating inclusive businesses around us. So, Meg, we're going to talk to you a little bit about your business um, ownership and in, in, uh, the beer company, Gray Bruce, uh, Gray, sorry, Gray Matter. <laughs> I keep saying Gray Bruce. Um, and then Tracy, you having the corporate experience, but both talking very much about diversity in business. So why, why talk about diversity in business? What's, what's important about that? Uh, 
Sure. Uh, so for me, as a small business owner uh, with a pretty small staff, uh, I've worked in larger corporations, but ultimately I think it comes down to the greater number of perspectives, the more um, varied your business experience can be, and the more you're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. I know in my industry, I am actually a trained brewer, and uh, there are very few trained brewers that are female. So uh, as a minority in my industry um, myself, I, I can I can recognize the value that my voice brings to a table that is largely populated by white men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, in our business itself, it has really brought uh, a lot of, uh, bringing a lot of unique perspectives to our business has helped to enrich the type of business that we run. Um, and that is from both our customers and then also from sort of our employee, employee side as well. Uh, it's interesting you both have that thread of, of both working in a profession field that is predominantly uh, occupied by men. That's an interesting uh, and, white men, and white men. And white men. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. There's yes. no diversity at all. There's no diversity. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So women, that, in my industry, women are more uh, more prevalent than persons of color. And that's shocking because there are very few women. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's pretty surprising. So you mentioned perspectives of a woman's perspective. Yeah, I think that, I mean... It, in respect to diversity when it comes to gender equity in my business, for instance. I mean, women bring a different perspective to the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean to lump all women together because obviously there's a diversity of perspectives amongst women as well. But it's great to have, I mean, myself and my partner, Mike, run our business uh, and we are equal partners in everything that we do. But we have very different strengths and very different perspectives when it comes to attacking problems at work or you know, setting uh, our business objectives for the year or for five years or 10 years down the line and how we intend on building our business. And I think that it really makes us a much more well-balanced company having both those perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, gender isn't the only difference we have between us. We come from very different backgrounds and very different places. So that also helps to enrich the, the core of our business. But yeah, I mean, the greater diversity, the better, in my mm-hmm. opinion. What about for you, Tracy? I think, like, just to jump off from what Meg was saying, the, the number of unique perspectives is really sort of the foundation of of, of having a diverse um, company. And, like, makes it also not just gender, right? Like, race, culture, sexual orientation, socioeconomic background, all of those things. Um, but what, what uh, businesses, I think, need to... Um, truly embrace is that it's it makes you money Hmm. so so you're more creative you're more innovative you're more um you you're better at problem solving not just better but faster Hmm. because you have all these different inputs right um and 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 you have a better reputation with uh your client base or your customers because you're seen as a diverse company that welcomes diversity and is inclusive and all those things you have um you have um less turnover you have mm-hmm. more employee engagement mm-hmm. you know all of these things mean that your bottom line is going to be better and that has been proven in studies mm-hmm. by uh, you know a couple of different big deloitte is actually a very diverse diverse company that um has excellent uh, an excellent um not just policy but implementation that they've done and I mean 
I would look to them as a sort of leading the way, but it is like um, something like a 37% increase in your bottom line. Mm, that's uh, huge. It's huge. And that's especially in a company that is customer oriented, right? All of a sudden, the person behind your counter, Meg, or in my case, in the control room, looks like you. So you feel more comfortable going mm-hmm. in there and talking to them. And you have the same background. You have something to talk about. All of those things, like all of those things mean you just, you're going to make more money. And and if I think that if corporations uh, truly believed that, they would truly make this happen. But currently... Um, that is not the case mm-hmm. for every corporation. And it's more, we, it's, I, I think there's goodwill. They, they, want to, they want to be more diverse, but it's not tied to their organizational goal, right? It's, yes, we should be more diverse, but it's not, if we get this diverse, we are going to see an increase of blah, blah, blah. Like, You've said so many things there, um, in there. There's so much to talk about in what you just said. So the first thing I love that you said there's money in this. Show me the money. Mm-hmm. Because as business owners, the, you know, business owners want revenue. They need they need revenue and they need profit and they need to be profitable in order to keep in business. So that's that's huge that there's money in it. The second thing that you said in there that I thought was really interesting, uh, particularly towards the end, is it's like there's a disconnect between like diversity. I think I heard you say like diversity is this thing that companies think we have to do, but they're not necessarily translating that into it actually makes me more money. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. It's not. That's not happening. In I'm not saying it's never happening because mm-hmm. it is happening in some um, really evolved companies. Mm-hmm. But in in the nuclear industry, it's not. I, yeah. I and I'm not. I'm not, I'm not speaking about my own personal company. I'm just saying in my industry, I don't see it. Not Maybe it's that. happening more in finance um, or. Um, entertainment I don't know I, I just know that in my industry that's definitely it's there's there's very there's commitment from leadership mm-hmm. to make the change and and but the, it's not tied to the bottom line and if you don't tie it to the bottom line you know your department manager is not going to make it a priority right mm-hmm. it's like you can't like you have it has to all be it has to all be tied together it can't just be over here in HR we have diversity it has to be in, like, like underneath woman. the chief nuclear officer, we have diversity, yeah. in my, in my yeah. personal opinion. Yeah, so it's not just um, an academic concept. Right. It's something that we live. And it was interesting hearing both of you talk a little bit about, um, I'm trying to think about how to phrase this, around the piece around if people see if people see that other people look like me at this workplace, so for you, Meg, being in the service industry, and, and you, um, Tracy, being you know in the station, then I'm just wondering what that does to the mindset of the people that work there um, around belonging. I guess I would just went right to belonging. Yeah, right. From diversity <laughs> to inclusion to belonging. Yeah. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's definitely a key component of um, the importance of inclusivity and diversity in businesses. Um, I know that, I mean, I can speak from my own personal experience as a woman. When I was coming up through schooling as a brewer, there were very few women that I had to look to as role models who were succeeding in my industry. I mean, of course, there were some. I certainly wasn't the first. Um, 
But even just having that role modeling available to me in my industry and then getting out into the workforce and being able to see other women, other women working in my job. I mean, the first place I worked, I was the only woman who worked in production. The second place I worked when I was hired, I was the only woman in production. And after I started working there, there were a few other women that were hired after me. Um, and now as a business owner, that's something that occurs to me regularly, trying to, we try to keep uh, gender equity on our staff. Um, and it is really important to us that we have a diversity of views, not only so that our customers can see that it's something that we value, but also so that our employees can see where our values and beliefs lie. Mm. It's important that our staff feel like they belong where they are and they're not, you know, the, the sole person or the token employee of a certain type. So yeah, of course that's important to us. And to Tracy's point, it's, it's nuts that businesses haven't clued in yet. They, they have this, you know, in the back of their head, this, these are values that we, you know, that we want to live with or that we think are important. But at the end of the day, like it really just does, does come down to your bottom line. Like mm-hmm. a study, as she said, as Tracy said, studies show that there is just so much more money to be gained as a business. And it, most business owners have a variety of goals and it isn't all just about your bottom line. At the end of the day, if you want to keep growing as a business, that is important. And yeah. if I can be selling my product to a more diverse and larger crowd, that's only going to benefit me at the end. So it checks both boxes. Mm-hmm. It checks yeah. the value box and it checks. Yeah. So can and we... in, a, in a big company where there will be some resistance yeah. to um, diversity and uh, inclusion, whatever. Uh, that should be the selling point. It's a way to sell it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. It's a way to say, look. Look at the difference when you have women um, leading, like half the teams, and or or diversity in general on your team, and you don't. Like it's this different. Mm-hmm. There's tons of studies that can be looked at that prove this. It's not it's not new, right? Yeah. It's been twenty years. We, we've been talking about it for twenty years. I think too, though, there's a bit of a there's it like it. I would say this especially in and maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, in retail consumer industries, like customer industries, not like mine, where it's not like we see our customer really, yeah. um, that there's courage required. Mm-hmm. And and that, that courage is like, and you know, I, I always admire this about you, Meg, um, the, this is what I believe, and I'm, I'm happy to put it out there, and if you don't like it, don't come in my business. Mm. Yeah, certainly. That takes courage, right? And I, I'm, I don't know if everyone has that courage. And that's part of that's part of the whole diversity inclusion uh, journey is getting that courage. Like we've talked about, um, Jackie, uh, in a corporation, it would be more. It's it. You still need courage. Don't get me wrong, but it's more for those one on one conversations where you're. You know, mm-hmm. it's more in those cases like leadership can set the tone and they can, you know, um, make it mandatory to take a culture awareness training or they can do all of that. But I think in the retail or consumer, yeah, like one, like I'm thinking about customer base and I'm not just gray matter, but think of something like, um, I don't know, uh, McDonald's, right? Like they could, they could come out, um, as a really strong supporter of black lives matter. And mm-hmm. it could affect their bottom line. Mm-hmm. In the long run, it's probably going to help it, but it takes courage to make that decision. Yeah, it takes courage to make the shift. Right. And to and so I hear what you're saying there. It's the, 
it's the risk you take of, well, what if I alienate some of my customers and they don't come back? Right. Yeah. And that's a conversation. I mean, it's interesting because this shouldn't, diversity and inclusion, if this is something you're thinking about right now and you've been in business for five or 10 years or even just two years like us, I mean, if this is the first item where where you're thinking, is this going to hurt my possible customer retention? I think that in the back of your mind, you've had, you've likely had those instantaneous sort of like knee jerk thoughts about other things, but it hasn't impeded your action on it. Like for, for us, for this, yes, we have those conversations, but we have those conversations about a lot of things. There are lots of things we do or don't do and have conversations that aren't nearly as uncomfortable about like, well, how will this affect our bottom line? A silly example is we don't make anything that's gluten free and there's lots of people in this world who don't consume gluten. Mm -hmm. Yes, that does alienate some customers but it's just a business decision that we make and it's because some things are feasible and other things aren't and being diverse and inclusive and welcoming and offering people a sense of belonging at our business is something that we are totally capable of doing Mm -hmm. there is no reason why we shouldn't other than that fear that risk in the back of our head yeah um and it's just overcoming that and deciding that you want to live your values yeah, so two things. Like, so you've both been touching on this inside piece of change starts with me and I need the courage and I need to think about what my values are and how I want to live them. So there's that piece. But then we've been strongly been talking about this other piece, which is, and you get more. And you get more. <laughs> like truly, you have happier employees. Morale is higher. Um, and you, you know, we've kind of all touched on this thing. Like diversity is numbers, right? Inclusion is... Um, diversity is numbers. Diversity is numbers. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. Diversity is yeah. numbers, right? Yeah. Inclusion is, well, you know, you you can sit at the table now. We've got, we've got a representative. We've got some numbers, but now we're going to invite you to We're going to invite you to the meeting. We're going to, we're going to um, promote you. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to make you more We're going to do the, the right things. Right. And I'm doing that with parentheses. We're right. Look, right. We're right. Gonna, Belonging to me is like you are your full authentic self and everyone accepts yeah. you that way. That is really that is really where you see a big change in, in your company's performance, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I and that's I mean, I'm not saying every company has that or is even maybe on the path to get there, but that is that is the key, right? Yeah. You go to work and you are your true self uh, with all of your all of your quirks and all of your greatness and and everyone thinks that's great right it's yeah. not like well it's, it's i mean i'm not saying i'm not saying you don't wear clothes or you know <laughs> you have to follow some rules yeah there's some rules of course <laughs> of course but but that is really that is really where people are like so happy and and will follow you to the ends of the earth to make things work for your for your team or your corporation. Well, and what I want to say about that, it, it's not only, because I agree with you on a on an essence level, like that if you can be yourself, you perform better and, and you get the best out of people. But also from a science perspective, there's lots of, of science around the brain and how we, and when we are out of fear, meaning we don't fear for not feeling included and we don't fear for getting mm-hmm. in trouble and we don't feel, you know, we're not in a state of fear, then we can actually be our true selves. That's right. When you don't worry about saying something wrong or making a mistake or, yes, you're absolutely right. And then, and you know what? When you take that out of your day, think how much more work you can get done. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're not 
like people have meetings to get ready for meetings. So yes. they say the right thing. Yes. Wouldn't it be nice if you just went to the meeting and said and what you wanted to say? Like, <laughs> like you know, yeah. that like just the time you gain back if everyone is accepted and belongs is, is also hitting your bottom line. Yeah. And everyone, meaning every race, every gen- gender, you know, sexual everyone. orientation, that everyone comes feeling like they don't have to hide who they are. Yeah. And I think that the secret sauce to that is people in middle and upper management, the, the folks that are, you know, meant to be leaders in the organization and setting the tone, um, really being their authentic, vulnerable selves. And if they, you know, are uncomfortable in a situation, being willing to own up to that. And I think it's not until leaders lead by showing that they are humans, that they have, mm-hmm. you know, challenges in their, in their workday, that they can show who they are, you know, with their employees. And I think that becomes challenging as you get to larger and larger corporations. It's a small business with only a handful of employees. It's easy for me to be my own authentic, sometimes kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) anxious or (laughs) or quirky or weird self. Um, But it's not until you show them that you're being your true self at work, I think, that your employees start to feel comfortable being their own sort of like messy self it's very you know like as a woman who works with all men um you know when you get when women get angry you tear up right Mm. it's awful i could never i can i cannot allow that to happen Mm. and i get angry believe it or not (laughs) shocking (laughs) and i i really i have to walk like i have to walk away and go hide in the bathroom i cannot cry at work it will, it would adversely affect my, my reputation. And I know that for, for, for other people, like I, I have quite a few black female friends who feel that they can't be angry at work they because it's seen, because it's seen as being, yes. you know, they don't Same. want to be the quote unquote angry black woman. Yeah. And it's like, how, how are you supposed to be your true self? I mean, not that you should be getting angry all the time at work or emotional all the time at work no no but there are moments of course where yeah where, you know even if you're just frustrated at yourself right? well where you know the corporate world the business world um has really taught us that we have to check our emotions at the door yes that's right right and and we all interpret that differently you're saying as a woman i can't cry at work because that's going to you know my my destroy my credibility yeah. with I'm not saying I never have. I except I definitely yeah. have. No, but we're talking <laughs> yeah. about, you know, our own feelings yeah. and thoughts around it. Like I really like will yeah. avoid trying to, you know, cry yes. at work cuz I feel like that will. And your friend you were talking about, you know, yeah. I can't get angry because I have to be the happy, joyful person sure. solving problem. I'm not allowed to share my yeah. you know, emotion of anger. Um and in other cases it's it's more um like that's emotion as you know, maybe celebration. Maybe there's things you can't celebrate at work because you're going to make somebody else uncomfortable. Mm, you know, like, um, and I, there's, this is something that I, I, I don't worry about, but like, say you want to celebrate pride day or orange shirt day or, um, black history month or whatever the case may be. There are people who will choose not to do that in order to not offend. Like I'm not one of those people, but there are people who are like, oh, I didn't want to make a big, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to deal with the questions or I didn't want to, you know, 
even yeah. I worked with someone who was celebrating Rosh Hashanah and they were taking a couple of days off and I'm like just explain that to me how does that work I don't even know what it is like explain the whole thing to me and you know it, it was very it was a great learning experience and she said to me I have worked here 20 years and no one's ever asked me about it before mm. I was like wow like mm-hmm. so interesting like you know um, that is like I think that's like a whole other topic because I think it, and we're gonna talk a little bit about it here but it's that fear of like what what if I don't know and what if I ask her about it and then you know there's a whole there piece is. behind I agree. that that's right? like that that's like getting used to being uncomfortable yes yeah. because it might be it might be an uncomfortable conversation um, sure but the flip side is that it's this great opportunity absolutely. for learning right yeah like, yeah it, yeah Fear keeps us small, and curiosity helps us learn and creates, you know, more learning and more. And that's exactly what I was talking about, like that inner work, right? Yes. Being curious, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, and humble, like you know what I mean, like just being humble about your what you know and what you don't know, mm-hmm. and and, um, and that's that vulnerable. Really, that's vulnerable. That's right. It's very hard for people, especially leaders, to do. Mm-hmm. But it, I think. Like I said earlier, I think that is such a key to making other people realize that when they don't know about something or when they have questions to ask about something, that they can come to you as a leader. And then that starts to foster that sense of belonging. I, I totally think, agree. I think. Mm-hmm. There's also this like um, concern about not being right. Mm. Yeah. You know? Like mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I don't, I, I'm supposed to be the boss. I'm supposed to know everything. So I don't want to ask like I don't you know what I mean like sure. I don't want to I don't want to be seen to not not know everything or not be right about something or it, you know and yeah, it's like somewhere, who, who cares like, somewhere just, along the way you know a lot of us have been here at certain points in our life where we feel like we have to have all the answers because we're a leader that's right because all of a sudden you, the day you you became promoted to leader that all of a sudden you were supposed to know everything right um and wow that's a lot of pressure for sure and a lot of people can get over that say with the technical piece like you're probably cool that you don't know every single thing about brewing i don't know every single thing about the station you know technically but some but but other, but a lot of people struggle to get there with just kind of those interact those personal interactions mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. which is wild because we're all continuously growing our whole lives Absolutely. and we'll never be perfect yeah right? it's interesting because the leaders that i most look up to are ones who are so quick to admit when they don't know something and that's how you create that that like world of belonging for everyone else because now they're going to come to you if they make a mistake yeah right and trust yeah Yeah. and to say like you know i i don't know about that i'm not sure what the answer is to that but why don't we try to figure it out together like why don't you go away and do some research i'll go away and do some research or if we have time now at work let's take 15 20 minutes to look it up or find someone we can ask or and that is how you build those relationships and that trust and that sense of being a part of a team. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that teamwork is so undermined when there isn't that sense of belonging and inclusivity, when people don't feel included. This may be a little bit off track. I hope it isn't. But I used to say when I was leading my ship crew, you know, I had, I had certain uh, obligations to them. And the first was to keep them safe. And it wasn't just physically, mm-hmm. it was psychologically and mentally. So that if there was something going on in the crew, some sort of dynamic, um, and it might have been diversity related, to be honest with you, 
then I had to deal with it. And the second thing was to give them time off, which ties to mentally and psychologically safe. Mm-hmm. And the third thing was to pay them well. I think that I think this completely ties in to to business in that if your people don't feel safe meaning in every way in every way physically emotionally psychologically because of my race gender sexual orientation financially financially Financially. (laughs) (laughs) like that's a great this like this comes back to gender equality right gender equity and pay equity when we think about that i mean to me that's something and i as as a female in a male-dominated industry i don't know if you've experienced this but when i've worked in places where um there isn't a set pay scale like ununionized places and you don't know how much people around you are getting paid and then as a woman you find out that the men who are your peers are getting paid more than you that is immediately a workplace that I no longer feel like I belong I no longer feel like I'm being valued or included and that has happened like and that happens frequently and so it's very it's very um structured in my industry like mm-hmm. if you do this you get paid this yeah but scale. I will say like here's a gender example women don't apply to jobs till they're like 100% qualified, qualified. right mm-hmm. of course and men apply when they're like 50% qualified yeah. and it's a confidence thing um, so, so, um, so if here's the interesting thing about pay equity in this particular case, if whether we hire the man or the woman, we pay them the same, even though she's twice as qualified. Hmm. Yeah. And, um, and that to me is, whoa, wait a second. Like she waited to do this thing in her career until she was more qualified, better educated, had more experience, whatever the case may be. And you're going to pay her the same as this guy who, who, has lots of confidence but is not as equally qualified that's always bugged me about my industry that mm. that they that they they just they're like well they're they both have this job once it's management they can make those decisions right it's not a union thing anymore and yet you see that all the time yeah well again i think it just speaks to this inner peace we're talking about that that just like we can talk about like pay grade and, and but this piece you're talking about is the inner peace with mm-hmm. people inside even about how um we view ourselves be it women perhaps i don't know if there's research around different races is there research around this this is a great thing for me to think about and and look into further that impacts then how you show up at work how you um like i think i read a study around oh gosh i might get this wrong but just around the health of uh, black babies that because of the years of oppression that they actually are born less healthy and so I'm just curious if there's biological, psychological things that, that, that are just present that we could work on. You know, in being aware of that as a leader might, might be helpful. I don't know. What do you think? I do find as an indigenous person, because I know that culture so well, there, there are, I know of opportunities where that is, that does make a difference. Mm-hmm. But it's because I'm part of the community myself. So for yeah. example, when, you, when I've interviewed indigenous people who are interested in being operators, operators um you know they'll walk out of the room and and the hr person will turn to me and say i didn't really feel like they you know you know really sold sold us and i have to say that's not that's not our culture i mean it is it is for me because i didn't grow up on the reserve (laughs) but um yeah it's a cultural difference it's It's a cultural difference like like Mm. naturally self-deprecating don't brag about their uh personal achievements but they'll talk about their families, the sure. kids and their and their siblings. 
And that's a cultural thing that could stop us from hiring an Indigenous person and then stop us from promoting an Indigenous person. And also, maybe they might struggle fitting in with a group of type A's. It, yes. Like so, all I mean, I'm very aware of that because that's 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 my family, that's my cousins. I know what that is. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I'm aware of other differences that that may show up there, right? But that is one I can just speak to, like because I know that that community, and it does that's so interesting show up. And yes, it shows up in and it shows up in it shows up in the numbers in the industry as well, mm-hmm. right? But we, we don't have a ton of. Indigenous leaders in the nuclear industry. And that comes down to management and HR's cultural competencies yes. as well, right? Mm-hmm. Being aware of what are these the cultural differences that I may or may not see in an interview with an Indigenous candidate versus a white candidate. Um, and, and again, that's just about, you know, individuals needing to see what their biases are in their own jobs and that's about introspection and I think that that is an important piece when we talk about diversity and inclusion because really for me personally the first and largest piece to that is really evaluating as a white person what are my internal biases what are the things that I need to check in myself and what are what are the disc you know the the discomfort that I have internally with some things that I think or do or have thought or have done or my business does, and that that is no longer or isn't, you know, um, that doesn't al- align with my values, and really thinking about those things. And it's something that I do all the time, you know, after having an interview or after speaking with a customer even, and just thinking like, huh, why did I think that? Like, oh, is that is that something, you know, or did I imagine that, you know, did I imagine that that person was being really curt and rude to me, or was is it just a cultural difference? Right. Or, you know that self-reflection right yeah that, yeah I, curiosity I that's the hugest thing i mean mm-hmm. there's the lead outward where you you know you're an ally and you yeah and you um, make people feel like they belong to your group and all those things but then there's that inward piece and i think i think personally leaders don't work on enough no not like at even all. if you're even if you're the biggest supporter of diversity um outwardly I, I i there's so much inward work you have to do right you have to self-reflect you have to act courageously you have to you have to sit back and, and like you said evaluate am i am i like and i've had this at work too where I'm, I'm like is that person really treating me differently because i'm a woman or yeah. is it a culture thing mm-hmm. and sometimes i ask them mm-hmm. or are they just being <laughs> yeah love like, i love that is this yeah. like is this a, is this a culture <laughs> thing and and they'll be like oh it probably is you know yeah. I, and I'm like, that's that's cool, because if it isn't, we're gonna have a bigger conversation. Yeah. But but yeah, it's you have to, and other people just like, and you know, you're quick to react, right? They're, oh well, I don't like that person because they blah blah blah, and you have to like you say, you have to sit back and do some self reflection. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. And that that conversation of asking, is this a cultural thing? Yeah, that's the discomfort. That's that the is the uncomfortable like, conversation. Yeah. Exactly right. That's yeah. where you need that courage. We talked. And I think, yeah, the courage, the self-reflection, the, the unpacking the the learning that you've created your whole life. You're trying to unlearn some things. Um, earlier this year, and I just want to share this story because I think there could be other people in the same boat. But, you know, I all have always felt I have been an inclusive person. I've cared about diversity. Um, I've worked in HR, you know, worked with people my whole career. So I've always felt that matched my values. 
And it wasn't until um, earlier this year watching the, the killing of George Floyd and watching the rioting that I had a huge internal shift. Um, and I think I was talking to Meg about this recently too, where I was thinking like somebody needs to do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm looking around going, I didn't say it out loud. I thought it to myself, somebody needs to do something. And then I had this moment where I thought, wait a minute, I can do something. Like I can be different and, and challenge my thinking around, am I doing enough? What else could I do? Um, and so I think, uh, that can create even emotion to, you know, for, it did for me, like, what if we ran out of talk, what if all of a sudden now I become this person who is out there and talking about diversity inclusion? Does it look like that I am just doing this because, right? Mm. And, um, and, and so I'm okay with that discomfort. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's always going to be a person out there who's, uh, you know, looking to cut you down for whatever reason. And they say, you know, oh, you're just being performative or, oh, you're doing this like for, for my business, for instance. Oh, this is a marketing ploy. You're just trying to get more business or whatever. Mm-hmm. And as Tracy alluded to before, I mean, my business has gotten a lot of flack for some of the things that we've said and, and posted. And it was just about us, you know, sharing our values with the community. Uh, and it, it can be really challenging. Um, but I think it's worth it in the end. It's worth it to have those, that, that, that conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately if one or two people think you're doing it performatively, but you continue to show up, you continue to do the work and y- you can have confidence knowing that it's not just performative, that, you know, that it is truly your values and how you're choosing to live. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that, and the more you do it, the less you feel like it's performed, you know, the less, the less fear you have around the risk of someone thinking you're just jumping on the bandwagon. So it's scary the first few times and then you start to just get comfortable with being in that discomfort. Yeah, of course. And I mean, it's silly to think that just because you are not a part of a certain group that you can't stand behind and for them. Like, you know, women didn't gain the vote because women yelled about wanting to get the vote. Men had to come up. You know, feminism succeeded, has succeeded in the things that it's accomplished because because of allies that were there. And this is it's the same in every struggle, you know? It, it wasn't until some of the oppressive group decided to stand by the people that are challenging what's happening in society that things actually changed. And for myself, as a white person... Uh, you know, it, it's my responsibility to stand, you know, to stand beside and behind the people who are who are challenging the oppressive system and say, you know, I'm with you. And I realize that that may or may not come at a loss of some of my um, privilege. And I'm OK with that. And it's not until people are willing to face that, face that discomfort and have a conversation with themselves about whether or not they really are entitled to all of the privilege that they have, uh, that anything is going to change. So yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable, especially as a white person, to have fear about the risk of being perceived as, you know, trying to do something for your own personal gain. But ultimately, you know, you have to decide what's important to you. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's important to me. And so if a few people on the internet think, <laughs> think that what I'm doing is yeah. not sincere, that's really not my problem. <laughs> And those aren't the kind of customers that you're wanting to attract. Mm-hmm. I think in businesses, we we often set out values that we stand for. And 
you know, not everybody loves the, the values we stand for, but the people who we want to attract into our businesses do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think from a corporation perspective, the same kind of courage is needed to be uh, an advocate, whether it's, um, you know, in your in your outside life and social media, as well as at work. The same kind of courage is, is required with the same kind of, um, I shouldn't say the same kind of, but also could have repercussions. It could be that, oh, um, that person's always challenging us about, you know, this or that or the other thing or like I'm always challenging my leadership about the lack of women leaders. Mm. Um, do, do they maybe think I'm a bit of a pain in the butt? Sure. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But some people might not do that because mm-hmm. they think it might be career limiting, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm close to retirement and I, <laughs> I can kind of say whatever I want. Um, so there are, there are situations, even in a big corporation, where it takes courage to have those conversations because it could. I don't think it would, to be honest with you, but it's the mindset, right? It's, you know, this could affect my chances people. to move up my or, or move into a different department or whatever they may be. And, and so people, you know, keep it to themselves. And, and I think because that happens so often, people are really surprised when you say it out loud. I, you know, in all the years I have worked in, in HR, I have heard, you know, this from so many people. I'm afraid to say mm-hmm. anything to my leader, to a coworker, and and I'm not even talking about things that could be gender or racially charged. I'm talking about, you know, you know, may I um, uh, leave early today? <laughs> you know, right. like I'm talking. I mean, there's lots of things people are afraid of losing their jobs and and add things that, you know, they think might not be well received like um you know why aren't there more women leaders here or why do i look around and everybody's white Mm -hmm. could be perceived as a a super career limiting i might lose my job for this and therefore i'm not willing not willing to stand out for that it absolutely is i can speak from personal experience on the on this when i was entering my career and at sort of like an entry-level production job, there were lots of things that I took issue with. And I very infrequently spoke up because it was career limiting. There were, you know, rungs up the ladder that I wanted to climb. And especially as the only woman, I'm already seen as a point of difference. And then being quote-unquote difficult or quote-unquote abrasive or challenging the, you know, existing structure and status quo at a job that is predominantly worked at or that is predominantly employees white men was very intimidating certainly I've had I had that in two two places and in one place it was just me questioning you know can we stop using this language because this language may be offensive it's not offensive to me because it doesn't pertain to me but we have customers here Mm -hmm. and like you need to really consider whether or not that's the sort of language that anyone coming into our place should be and even saying that and I was then you know of course oh it's you know just Mm. just the boys being boys Mm -hmm. but I mean it's things like that and speaking out even with that was just with my peers but then at a sec at my second uh job in in this career speaking to management about issues that I saw as being unfair to certain employees versus others where it was clear that it was either a racial or a gender bias and having those conversations and oftentimes it's like, oh, you're being, you know, you're exaggerating the issue or it's not near as near a big of an issue as you're making it out to be or, you know, you're causing trouble where there isn't any. Yeah. 
and that's exhausting and also it's a risk to your career so it's super challenging mm-hmm. it is it is I, I mean I was the same at the beginning of my like I'm you know it's, it's easy for me to look back and say you know speak up but it was the same I mean I was the only operator on my crew for a long I mean by the time I'd been there for a while I was like okay I'm yeah I'm gonna you know. oh for sure I mean in the last five or six years my opinion on it has changed but my position has also changed and now as a leader mm-hmm. I feel that it's my responsibility because I don't want the people under me to feel the way that I felt. And I love that you said that because this, and this is why I'm doing this podcast for leaders. Yeah. It's because sometimes we forget that as leaders, we have influence and we can make change. And that's where all the, I hate to use the word power, but that's where it is in the leader being able to support Right. And many employees can't do that because they're fearful they're going to lose their job. And so we need leaders to say, I will stand in this discomfort. And you need leaders to, it can only be leaders who can change the culture. Oh yeah. You know, it can, it has to be, it has to be there. It has to be at the very top of whatever your, however big your organization is. It has to be, it has to be your leaders. Yeah. And, and, um, and that's the key, right? If once that culture is changed, well then the next Tracy Primo that is an operator in training or, or Meg Durkin that's a new brewer brewer is is not going through the same thing we went through because it's a different world mm. you know I love that visual of just laying new groundwork for people that the, the, the landscape is different going forward yeah yeah and that goes back to the piece of a role modeling that I said earlier you know being able to look at yeah. someone who is you know 10 or 20 years further ahead in the career track than you and you see someone that looks like you you're like oh this is something I could actually do that's right it's being able to be those role models for people down the line and just like how sitting in our own discomfort gets easier as generations of employees go through it becomes easier and easier to have those conversations once that culture is developed Mm -hmm. for sure so you have to open up the conversation and then from there it starts to get easier I love this conversation and I would stay here all day, but we are, <laughs> we, I, I think we got to start wrapping it up because I know um, our listeners only will listen for so long. Um, we can continue this conversation and well later on. Let me just ask you each just one closing question. Like we sort of talked a little bit about, um, this isn't just a good thing to do. It's not just an intellectual thing to do. It's, it actually makes you money. Um, by, by being more diverse, it helps you be, you know, help people feel belong and safe, attracts more customers, helps you be more innovative, um, and, and actually creates abundance rather than scarcity. Mm-hmm. What would you say to a leader listening to this? What would your sort of closing thoughts be around how leaders can support diversity in their workplaces, whether it be in your, your type of business in our community, a service-based business, or, or corporately, Tracy? Just ask you, just each to sort of summarize some, some final words. I think for me, um, the easiest place to start if someone is looking to, uh, you know, maybe change some of their, how they, you know, operate their business or how they interact with their employees from a customer service side of things and then also as a small, a small family-owned business. Um, I think the easiest place to start is with yourself, is with evaluating sort of what are some of your, your own internal biases or, and, and, you know, 
quickly doing a inventory on what your values are and where your values lie. I think that that's really important. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes taking action at the outset can be really scary. So that first step of really evaluating, okay, like where, where are my values and what are things that are important to me and how does this fit with my, the mission and the vision of my business? And that is really where Mike and I started at Gray Matter a couple of years ago. Um, and so the transition into action has actually been a lot easier. And, and I mean, it's still not easy, but it's, it's certainly been easier because we can always go back to, you know, what's the, what's the vision and mission of our business? What are our values? And how can the actions that we take moving forward be informed by, uh, by that? And so those are conversations that we continue to have amongst ourselves and um, just internally. Uh, as like a daily check-in, <laughs> but uh, I would say that's the easiest place to start. And anything, any small thing that you can do at the outset is something, uh, and it really does get easier. <laughs> so start, just start. Just start, just yeah. do it. Yeah, and it's not going to be as scary as you think it is. <laughs> Thank you. And Tracy? So I would say that very few diversity initiatives survive contact with operational management. It has to be part of your operation. It can't be a thing off to the side. Mm -hmm. It needs to be brought in to how you hire, how you run, how you promote, uh, how, how you do everything. Um, you're, it, you're, as, it can be a value, but if it's not um, an operational mm -hmm. action... It, operationalized, it yeah, is that what yes, you're saying? Yeah, operationalized, thank yeah. you. It doesn't. It doesn't mm -hmm. make an impact. It just doesn't. It, it has to be right in your in your model, and 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 then I'll sort of summarize that, and then it will hit your bottom line. Mm. If you have employees who are happy, engaged, they're going to perform better. They're going to be more courteous to your customers. They're they're going to be and they're going to be performing at um, proven. Um, you know, percentages higher than the company beside you. Mm. So that, that, and that means at all levels, the ones you hire, the new, the leadership, and your board of directors for that matter. Mm. Like make sure you have diversity everywhere and you'll make more money. And that's what it's about in business. We wouldn't be in business if we weren't making money, right? That's right. So, so great to have you guys here for this conversation. Thank you so much. Um, this is our first, uh, I've, I'd love to invite either of you back at some point to uh, engage in some more conversation. There's multiple topics we, we have to we have to cover here. So thank you. Very grateful for you both here today. Thanks, Jackie. Jackie.